you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, 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 welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I am Oliver Banks, and it is an honor, as always, to be your host here on the podcast. This is episode 55, and today we're continuing our marathon look at the last year. That's right, in episode 54, we celebrated the first anniversary of the Retail Transformation Show. And to help us celebrate, we took a little look back at some of the rich golden nuggets that can be found in the archives. And if you've not checked all of those out, then firstly, go and check out episode 54 and then dive deeper into the archives. There's a ton of golden nuggets waiting for you to help you transform your retail operation and business. Last week's episode, of course, did focus in on one of the big themes that's come out again and again, and that was all about having a clear purpose, really serving your ideal customers and really being relevant. This time round, we're diving into another couple of big themes that we've seen again and again over the course of the last year. You're going to be able to find all of today's show notes over at obandco.uk slash 55. Right, so here we go. And the first of the golden nuggets is actually by yours truly. Yes, that's right. In episode 44, we dived into digital transformation and why that could be the wrong thing for you to do. Take a listen. So we're seeing these huge changes taking place. But then overlay that with the fact that we've now got more competition in the retail marketplace than ever before. It really is the perfect storm, in my opinion. For the status quo, everything is changing. So the answer, of course, is digital transformation, right? Right? Well, we're all talking about digital transformation, and that's a big trend. But I have to tell you, I do have a different view. I think digital transformation is misguiding us. I think digital transformation as a term is showing us the wrong path. What we're actually talking about is just transformation, not digital transformation. <laughs> and I say just transformation, like, oh, throwaway comment, right? Um, <laughs> but I hope you know what I mean. It's, it's plain transformation. It's not specifically about digital. There's nothing digital about it, in fact. Really, it's just the fact that we live in a digital world. Yes, that's right. Do not let your brain be limited, be surrounded, be fenced in by the term digital transformation. Our changing and challenging retail landscape does not just require digital aspects of transformation. It requires many, many other different aspects. In fact, in episode 53, we took a look, a really long, detailed, epic look, in fact, at all of the different types of transformation that could be right for you. And let me tell you, it's not just about digital stuff. We just live in a digital world. So do check out episode 44, where I was exploring that term, digital transformation. And you must take a little listen, or a long listen actually, to episode 53, which has been termed a mini retail MBA. 
which I kind of like, so do go and check that one out and I hope you enjoy it. The next golden nugget is from episode 47, where I caught up with Poppy Mickleborough from the Retail Week team. Take a listen. We're seeing a real shift of uh, moving to partnerships between uh, retail companies and tech companies and actually everyone going back to what they're really great at. Um, And I think for a while you saw retailers trying to build all of that digital talent in-house and, uh, you know, trying to build all the technology. And actually, I think A, it was slowing them down and B, often it meant that they were forgetting what they were great at. So whether or not they trade on really great price, really great experience, whatever uh, it is. And I think we're seeing more of the ecosystem coming together and these strategic partnerships being formed in order for those retailers to, to drive themselves forward. Because why wouldn't you partner with a company that makes you great at AI? Why wouldn't you partner with a company that will help you with your automation? And it's then saves you having to build it in-house and then you only need a smaller amount of that tech talent to oversee it and to make sure that it's great. And I think that's what's really exciting is actually the retail technology sector or ecosystem is is changing to be kind of a bit more equal and that that change from sort of supplier retailer relationship to much more partnership and actually together everyone will drive things a lot forward and I think we will see that kind of transformation increase as those partnerships become more kind of I guess more common. So I think the prospect of more strategic partnerships in our industry is very exciting. As Poppy Mickleborough was saying it allows each of us to be just really good at what we do rather than getting distracted and being led down the rabbit hole by something that just isn't in our natural skill set or capability. Also in that same episode, that was 47, episode 47, Rebecca Morrison dropped what I think was probably the first bit of parenting advice on the Retail Transformation Show. Check it out. I did hear a speaker, one of the keynote speakers at uh, World Retail Congress in um, back in was April. Yeah, and uh, he said something really interesting. Um, so he actually his kind of take on this was that as you know AI is developing and machine learning etc is getting so advanced and so sophisticated. Um, actually, his advice to his friends who have kids, you know, in school looking to looking to pick their uni, uh, their subject of study at uni, he's actually saying to them, you should be going and studying, you know arts um you should be going to study history you should be going to study um languages um literature things that these machines cannot um you know things that are very nuanced um that these machines can't learn because uh, because inevitably humans have to be able to have a point of difference um in, mm. in the workforce and i think that's something we're gonna see as well um humans and machines working together but also humans having roles where they're kind of human uh, abilities to, to, to feel and kind of be sensitive and, and all these nuanced things that come with, I guess, uh, traditional kind of arts type subjects uh, are, are going to be really kind of necessary. So that's an interesting look at what the future of education could really look like. And actually, the role that we humans play in the future as AI, machine learning, robotics all begin to become more commonplace in the retail industry. What do you think? Do you agree? Should we be studying arts and so on in the future? Or should we be zooming in the other way and getting more technical to stay ahead of AI programming itself? Which, I have to be honest, does sound a little on the Hollywood film side, right? Bit like iRobot, if you remember that one, with Will Smith. Anyway, back to the golden nuggets. This next one is from episode 14 where I invited a number of special guests to share what was really exciting about retail. Here is Michael Grange, 
the COO of e-commerce for Expediator PLC. Take a listen. Technology is enabling the incredibly rapid growth of e-commerce. If I expand on that, it comes down to three main areas. Being easy to do, being cost-effective, and having global reach. Taking the first one, being easy to do. Okay, when I say it's easy, I don't actually mean it's easy, but the improvements in technology and software solutions have made it far simpler to get your retail store online. In fact, I'd go as far as to say you can be up and running in a few hours. It does get more difficult as your order volumes and product range increases, of course. Handling large volumes means you also need to have some stock somewhere. Dealing with customer returns could mean you have a problem to resolve with your courier causing damages. And as even simple customer queries start coming in, someone needs to deal with the emails and calls. That aside, it's a lot easier than it was. And what we're seeing at Expediator is an increasing demand for e-commerce services from small and startup businesses. Yes, that's right. Technology is increasing the capability of e-commerce, which of course is changing the retail market. But that is just the way that we, as consumers, are shopping nowadays, right? Because we're all driving this, right? Every time we click, add to cart or buy now, whatever. That is one of the big changes for the retail market. And I also like how what Michael was mentioning just there is really hinting back at that big strategic partnership piece, just as Poppy Mickleborough was mentioning a couple of minutes ago. Staying with that theme of how the world is changing, makes me think about episode 30 and 31, where we were joined by the fantastic Tim Mason. Now, I know a number of the listeners have really enjoyed that episode. And if you've not checked it out, then you must go and check it out. Tim Mason was the deputy CEO at Tesco and is now the CEO of Eagle Eye. Tim really understands customer loyalty and how that plays out in our new omni-channel world. His book, Omni-Channel Retail, which he wrote with Maya Knights, has been very well received in the retail marketplace. And let me tell you, in those episodes, episode 30 and 31, Tim dropped a ton of golden nuggets. Here is just one of those very valuable golden nuggets for you. Take a listen. In the book, you use this concept, digitally enabled and data driven. Tell me a bit more about that and how that presents itself in the modern day world. Well, I think the uh, that's my favourite phrase from the book. The book was <laughs> the book was almost worth it to come to to, to 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 come to that phrase. And what we've been talking about there, really, in this whole run up, is uh, is data driven. What Clubcard taught me was the benefits of running a business using customer data. The realization that I have come to later, probably later than I should have done, as I've moved into things digital sort of in post-2012 and, and, and eventually come in as, as CEO of Eagle Eye, is that when you add digital enablement to that data, then you start to really change the game because your costs of transmitting are so much lower. You know, Loblaw, who are Eagle Eye's biggest client, speak with their customers every week and send their offers offers every week. Tesco do it once a quarter, and it's cheaper for Loblaw to do what they do than Tesco to do what they do. Right, so, you know, without which, having which to do are, physical mailings and exactly, sort of exactly, printing out tokens, etc. Exactly, et exactly. So that term, digitally enabled and data-driven, 
from the expert Tim Mason is a highly valuable phrase. So I do recommend that you sit up and take notice and go and take a listen to episode 30 and 31. Like I say, a number of other listeners really found huge amounts of value in that episode. So data, of course, has been a really key theme as we've been through the last year of episodes here at the Retail Transformation Show. This next golden nugget is, again, from one of my solo shows. This one is way back in episode eight, where I'm explaining how you can actually hack your own brain to help you focus on the right data and the right KPIs. Check it out. By presenting the data that is relevant to your strategy, you are training your brain to look subconsciously for patterns in that data. You're also training the brain of people around you. Now, let me go into this. It's all about what's called the reticular activating system, which is part of your brain. You're absorbing millions of bits of information about what you see, about what you hear, about what you feel. So you're absorbing all these millions of bits of information and it filters out what is important and what is not. Now, if you focus on one set of data regularly, repeatedly, you are training your brain, you are training your reticular activating system to look out for patterns, to look out for opportunities. You allow your subconscious brain to start supporting you and keep an eye out for what you need to make a success. Isn't that amazing? So the more you look at a particular piece of data, the more your brain engages with it. And in turn, you'll start to see opportunities, you'll start to think about new ways of looking at the data, or new insights or new actions that you might want to take from that. And you can drive that improvement a lot more. Now, of course, the secret here is getting back It's got to be relevant to your goals, to your strategy. And if that data isn't relevant to your goals and strategy, you're forcing your reticular activating system to focus on the wrong thing. I find the science of the brain fascinating. And actually, that could really help you to focus in on driving performance, driving results for your retail operation and retail business. Sticking with that theme of KPIs, Here is Andrew Busby, the founder and CEO of Retail Reflections and one of the top 20 retail influencers in the world. This is from episode 35 and 36, and I'm going to be interested to hear what you think about this one. I think the message there for me is people don't let the CFO run your organization. Always remember that they are the bean counters. They are not driving customer satisfaction, customer experience, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's a a trap that um, most retail businesses have fallen into. That and along with being wedded to out-of-date KPIs, such as sales per square foot, which frankly, in today's world, is meaningless. Go back to Rafa, for example. I don't know this for a fact, but I'd be very surprised if they measure sales per square foot because they invite these sweaty, lycra-clad, middle-aged men into their uh, clubhouses to have a coffee. <laughs> such nice, uh, such nice visuals there. Okay. <laughs> to um, you know, they, they invite these lunatics in to have a coffee and talk about cycling, 
And if they happen to buy something, that's great. But if they don't, well, hopefully we've given them a great environment and a nice experience and they are part of our club. And the next time they come, they'll buy something. And I think that's just a fantastic philosophy. That is not driven by a CFO. You know, that is driven by somebody who has a degree of imagination. And I think that is what is needed. Um, so I've just jumped back onto my um, soapbox for a second, if you don't mind. Back on the soapbox. <laughs> uh, that is what is needed. And I think, again, the serious point about this is KPIs from 20, 30 years ago are no longer fit for purpose for today's retail. And that is a powerful message. Do you agree? Do you agree that KPIs are increasingly out of date for our modern day retail world? Why not check out the full episode and decide for yourself, episode 35 and 36. Just scroll back in the archives and download it and take a little listen. Now, if you're wanting to remind yourself of all of these fantastic golden nuggets from today, then be sure to head over to the show notes page, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 55. But let's stick with this topic on KPIs for just a little bit longer, because again, it's come up in another episode with another fantastic guest. So in episode 45 and 46, I caught up with Ian Shepard, the author of Reinventing Retail and the ex-COO of Odeon, ex-CEO of Game. This is someone that really understands the challenges that retail is facing right now. Take a little listen. You know, the danger is if you, if you, if you view the world through the wrong KPIs, then you're viewing the wrong world. Because, you know, I've seen... Oh, I like that. You can have that one. Uh, you, you'll still hear um, some people in retail, for example, say... I don't know why you're asking me to invest in growing the e-commerce platform because that's less profitable than my stores. And that is so profoundly the wrong way of looking at the world. I just, I shudder every time I hear some version of that sentence because mm. what you've revealed by saying that as a retailer is that you think that your stores and your website are different to each other. Yeah, that the idea that there is a thing called store profitability and a thing called e-commerce profitability is just profoundly wrong. All all there is is the profitability of different customers, and all of those customers are using both of your channels. And I got into an argument with somebody in the supermarket business once about this. Why would we get into e-commerce? There's no money in it. And I said, well, why have you got car parks in your superstores? Because there's no money in them either. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting point. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the profit and loss of a standalone car park that you don't charge people for doesn't look very healthy. But of course, that's a stupid thing to say because the reason you've got car parks is because you want people to come to the shop. Well, start thinking about your e-commerce platform in the same way. So, so, <laughs> as, long so as, as long as the answer wasn't good idea, Ian, we should start charging for car parking. <laughs> for car park. Well, you know, the strange, stranger, stranger things have happened. But um, you know that that sort of so, so you know if step one was you know look at the skills around the table and make sure you're comfortable and experienced with some of the things that you're talking about. Step two then is be really attentive to what you measure. I talk a lot in the book about net promoter score. I'm a very passionate advocate of having a customer centric measure front and center in terms of the way you keep, you hold your business to mm -hmm. account, whether that's net promoter score or, or some other measure, but something that, that gets people talking about the customer experience that you're delivering, you know, I think is, 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 is really important alongside some of those measures of kind of customer profitability that, you know, having good customer data allows you to have. So, so change what you measure, because of course people will tend to do the things that 
get them a good score on, on what the business is measuring. So that's an important second step. So there we go. If you're viewing the world through the wrong KPIs, then you're viewing the wrong world. That was an incredible golden nugget there from Ian Shepherd. And if you've not checked out his book, Reinventing Retail, then that is a highly recommended read. Do go and check it out. And in fact, that episode was, again, very well received. So if you've not checked that one out, you must do. In fact, I could have played that whole episode as a golden nugget because it was just littered with value from start to finish. And I've got another little clip from that episode. So this is also Ian Shepard. Check it out. And why is it that so many great retail businesses have effectively died rather than changed. And so really for, you know, the retail leaders listening to this and, and reading the book to kind of, you know, just get under the skin of how difficult it is to make this kind of reinventive, you know, transformative change happen in a business and, 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 and face into that because that's the reality. I've experienced that you know, myself in, in businesses that I've been in, the difficulty of getting change to happen. And many of your regular listeners here will be nodding along, I think, and thinking, yeah, that's, the, that's actually the hard bit in a sense. The first half of reinventing retail, you know, in, in some senses, is a, it's a mind exercise, an intellectual exercise. And, and, and you, know, you can say, yeah, I, li- I like the things you're saying there, but you know, how is it that massive retail businesses manage to, who probably all know that, probably all intuitively have some sense of the things that they need to do, end up in a situation where it doesn't it doesn't quite work out for them and i think there are you know there are very formidable barriers to change for retailers and what's interesting when i came to kind of write part two of the book is that most of them are psychological Mm. so you know you are if you're leading if you're the management team of a retail business and you've identified that you need to reinvent your business for the new normal you face a number of kind of forces of inertia uh, around you that would need to be overcome in order to get change to happen. So Ian Shepard there alluding to some of the challenges of actually making transformation happen. And I've seen that too many times that I care for, frankly. It's very difficult to make transformation happen. Working out what to do is easy, but actually how do you do it? That's the tough bit. And actually, I've put together my transformation trifecta, which looks at some of the big barriers, three big barriers, in fact, and helps you diagnose exactly what could be going wrong and gives you some action. So you can download a copy of that transformation trifecta over at obandco.uk slash 55. And you get to sign up for my weekly retail transformation briefings to ensure that you stay up to date with the latest goings on and the latest innovations in the whole world of retail. Do go and check that out. And so sticking with that theme of the complexity of making transformation happen, here is the final golden nugget that I wanted to leave you with. And this one is from episode 40, where I am reflecting on the dangers and challenges of not transforming. So if nothing is changing, nothing is transforming, And that is a slippery slope. Do not let this particular problem become the end point, essentially. If you recognize the need to transform, you need a strategy. And hope is not a strategy, let's be honest. If you have no plan, no approach, no conviction, then it means that your vision is turning into a daydream. Your strategy is turning into a wish. And your results are coming down to how hard you're crossing your fingers. 
So that was the final golden nugget that I wanted to pull out from the whole of the first year of the Retail Transformation Show. As I said right at the top of the show, it's an absolute honor to be joining you every single week. But if this is the first time that you've listened to the show, then firstly, remember to subscribe. And secondly, do go back and check out that rich archive because, as you've heard today, there are golden nuggets littered throughout the Retail Transformation Show. And hey, if you are a regular listener, then I would so appreciate it if you could rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps other people discover the show and I would so appreciate it. And I thank you in advance for doing that. Show notes once again over at obandco.uk slash 55. And remember to tune in for the next episode where we're going to be looking at some really actionable tips to help you be more successful in your career. You're not going to want to miss this one. So I look forward to joining you then. Bye for now, though.